Hey, Ashley. Yeah, Trish? Do you want to make the big announcement right now? Yes, I do. Okay, do you want a drum roll first? Yes. Okay. That's my drum. Go. Therabyte is the sponsor of the OTs Get Paid podcast. Woohoo! Let me tell you really quickly that we have been looking for a podcast sponsor for over a year, and we are thrilled that Therabyte is not just the podcast sponsor, but a true partner between our two businesses. So first, Ashley, tell the listeners, the peeps, a bit more about Therabyte. All right. Therabyte supports OT and SLP practitioners with their documentation from intake to invoice. So we are serving your audience, supporting them in their private practices. It's almost like we thought it out ahead of time. Right? (laughs) (laughs) So if you are an OT entrepreneur and you're interested in learning more about partnerships and collabs and sponsors, et cetera, stay tuned to our journey because we're going to show you, not just tell you what that's going to look like. But we have our first upcoming event. Tell the people what it is, Ashley. All right. We've got a webinar, June 1st, and we are going to be talking about avoiding pitfalls while growing your private practice, bringing our two brains together. So save the date, June 1st, more details to come. Welcome to OTs Get Paid, Ashley. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I think that sometimes we can get really stuck on an identity of a successful you know, helping who's, who's, who's doing the thing. They're effective. You're, you know, you're getting good, basically getting good grades by doing a good job at your work. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes we can get a little bit too attached to a particular definition of what success is. Yes. Hi there. Welcome to OTs Get Paid, the podcast for OT entrepreneurs, where we learn about everything you need to know to move from thinking like a therapist to acting like a CEO and making good money along the way. Are you curious how to continue to be true to your mission of helping others as an OT and get paid what you're worth? Do you want to know the best tips that add zeros to your bank account? Do you wonder how other OTs do it too? I'm your host, Trish Williams, a Canadian, a mom, a not-so-closet choir nerd, an occupational therapist of over 26 years. I spent most of those years loving my profession, but secretly wishing I could get paid a lot more. Did I feel like I had an important job that had great impact on my clients and society? Check. Did I also wish I could feel validation in that work through getting paid enough to feel financial freedom? Check, check. So finally in my 40s, as a single mom who needed to get real with my income, I built two six-figure businesses, including my latest as an OT entrepreneur coach at Trish Williams Consulting. And through this, I heard the secret shame that others felt the same way too. So I'm raising my voice and raising my profile of this issue and probably raising my prices. I'm here to talk about OTs making money. So let's do like Scrooge McDuck and dive into those giant piles of gold coins and get swimming and start this episode. Welcome OT entrepreneurs to the OTs Get Paid podcast episode 95, where we are having a conversation about burnout with Carlin Meek. Did you know that Carlin is our only return guest to date? Why is that? It's kind of a great stat to hold, a great honor to hold. If you're not familiar, we had a productivity series. Those are podcasts, episodes 76 all the way through to episode and including 81. And we had a great deal of traction on that productivity series. And if you look at some of the titles, you're going to see that it's not your standard, typical productivity series. We talk about the Mother Teresa complex. We talk about rest as a revolution. We have case studies and productivity and plans for 90 days and for your weeks. But we leaned into some interesting topics around this. As I said, ones that aren't typically brought forward in productivity because we're OTs. We are a holistic people. And we wanted to continue that conversation, albeit asynchronously from that productivity, 
albeit asynchronously from that productivity series, and talk about burnout. Here's who we attract at OTs Get Paid in our Road to 100K and our 100K Club. They are action takers. They are OTs who are already getting paid some money and they want more profit, more clarity, and more impact, time, and freedom in their schedule. And at no point, as you can hear from the productivity series and in this podcast, do we subscribe to the hustle. So this is a conversation that Carlin brings in her very reflective and melodic and elongated style that acts as an addendum to our series and our work and adds some color to what we do. So let's jump in to this episode. Welcome, Carlin. Hi, Trish. Thanks for having me back. You are so welcome. As I said in the intro, you are the honorable first ever repeat guest. Oh, well, that is an honor. I'm very excited. So before, we're not going to ask kind of the traditional questions. We're going to have a different structure to today. Mm -hmm. However, I would love for people to hear an update because you were last with us on episode 41, which is many episodes ago. So why don't you give us a little, for those who haven't listened to that episode or who have and haven't heard from you in a while, why don't you give us a little bit of a flavor of what you're currently doing with Mm -hmm. your OT world? Sounds good. I feel like it's always an evolution. And sometimes I wonder how much of that is driven by my need for novelty. But also I really look at um, everything we do as an experiment. And so we're learning as we go and we get better as we learn and we try things, we try new things and we grow and expand and we hear new things and we want to bring that to the world. But interestingly, as far as my coaching business where I'm coaching OTs, um, I've been doing the same work all along. It's more that I, how I talk about it that has evolved. Um, So I continue to support OTs who own businesses, whether they're aspiring or well-established, but it's that that intersection of personal and professional where um, a lot of individuals aren't thriving. They're they're feeling exhausted, uh, worn out, um, working more than ever, and that's life's not feeling very joyful or free. And it's all about kind of shifting to where, well, what do I need to do to be able to show up in all of my roles in a meaningful way, my business, my family, my personal life, how do I show up in more alignment and feel yeah, more, more flow, more joy, more, more vitality in our lives. Um, so I have shifted how I talk about that. I shift how, what I do, how I market, how I engage with people. I started a podcast, um, which has been super fun. The Brave OT podcast. Another thing though I've done is also I've shifted to um, splitting my attention about half and a half between building my group coaching program and my OT practice. I had really scaled back my OT practice for some time um, in order to get all of the things in place to really get all the marketing in place, get all the programs, the systems in place and all of those things. And those things are running. It's not yet at a place where I've got a lot of consistent income. I have amazing things happening in there, but I needed to spend a little bit more time on doing the work that I spent a lot of time learning how to do as an OT. And I really love my OT mental health practice. So I'm doing about half and half right now. And that is a really nice balance for me. So we didn't plan this segue, Mm. but we did talk about this quote, and I think this might be a great time to pull it up. Part of what we want to talk about today is burnout, which is you know, a massive conversation. We've talked a little bit about it before on the pod, particularly in the episode about the Mother Teresa complex and our rest as a revolution. It was all brought up in our productivity series. And we wanted to talk about it further. So before we pressed record, we kind of did a mini outline and we talked about one of our favorite books, which is Burnout by the Nagoski sisters. And this is one of the things they said, that wellness is not a state of mind, but a state of action. It is the freedom to move through the innate cycles and oscillations of being human, from effort to rest and back, from connection to autonomy and back, and from adventure to homecoming and back. And you are 
the living, breathing example of that hmm. right now. We did not plan that, but that nope. kind of fits, doesn't it? It really does. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what's all in there is flexibility and fluidity and and that is freedom, right? It's it's I mean, I think that's probably didn't you do a poll recently? What was the number mm-hmm. one reason that you got into entrepreneurship? And mm-hmm. most people, when I responded clicking mm-hmm. freedom, most yep. people had responded freedom at that point. And yep. it is interesting to look at that freedom to do this or do that. It's not necessarily this steady growth of 20% every single year. It's what do I need now? What do I want now? What does life call for? What does my business call for? And and how do I have that adaptability and flexibility and resilience to, to go with the flow? Did you... Hey, Trish. Yes, Ashley. As an OT entrepreneur who's just starting to make money, I bet you've thought, oh my gosh, I just got my first few clients. What the heck do I do now? Don't worry. At Therabyte, we have you covered. We heard you and we created intake and consent templates just for you. So you've downloaded the template and now you can say, amazing, I know exactly how to get my clients started. Oh, I wish I'd had this in the beginning. I pulled everything together and needed something this efficient. Okay, so where can listeners find these templates, Ashley? Super easy. The link will be in the show notes. You just hop over to our website, find templates, and you've got your download. Sounds great. Make this choice because you were staving off burnout? Or is this bubbling from inside in an occupational role kind of way? Both. So my genuine philosophy and belief values on the inside, like my business, I named it Balance Works OT. It's it's about um, really living like that, everything in moderation, living in, in balance, doing, doing things, thinking about um, even from different ancient philosophies, that type of balance. It was never work-life balance. Um, it was always these variations of occupational balance. And um, truly fundamentally believe in not hustle culture. It's not who I am in any way. Let's be kind. Let's be flexible. Like I I tend to be a bit of an underachiever, to be honest. Like, I'm like, yeah, I could do all of that, but I'm gonna stop at 80% because like between here and there is a whole lot of overdoing and disruption of my peace. Um, and so I believe that fundamentally, but I found myself in a place of habitually getting into hustle behavior um, because there was this sense that, um, well, if I do all the right things with my scalable offer, uh, the more entrepreneurial side of my business, that's not my private practice. That's always been very successful as as successful as I allow it to be. I mostly turn away work, but this other piece that is more effortful to kind of, um, I've heard it sort of like cranking the flywheel, right? I've been cranking that flywheel for a couple of years now. And, you know, success is just around the corner. It's just going to have that momentum where it takes off. If I just, you know, hit that messaging right, hit that approach right, hit that rhythm right, hit the right social media with the right messaging to get the right audience where it's just going to have that momentum and take off and I won't have to work so hard for it. And that sense of it just being around the corner kept me doing too much. And it, it clashed with my values. It clashed with my um, my sense of how I want to be in the world, how I help other people be in the world. And a lot of that was sort of driven by the fact that I had pulled back on my OT business. And so, um, you know, needing the, like needing to have that financial stability of consistent income from it. And, and then kind of going, oh, wait a minute, I could just say yes to the other work that I actually love. I just chose to pull back on it to do this. It's not a failure to turn back to there, but I was feeling this sense of, okay, well, it's time to relax. Put your phone down, Carlin. Oh, but I could see who else posted. Oh, somebody comment. Oh, there's some DMs. I could do this. No, it's not working, right? It's just me sitting there with my phone relaxing on the couch. Well, you know, a couple hours of that in the evening um, or in the morning with my coffee is a whole lot of overworking. And mm-hmm. I know that I, when I insert blocks of other things, I'm better at not doing the thing I'm trying to. I mean, social media is so like naturally addictive, right? It's mm-hmm. designed to hook us and have us feel that sense of not quite good enough 
searching for validation, all of that sort of thing. And so I knew I needed to put my phone down. Actually, I had a great conversation with Jill Graffa on one of her OT coaches. Learn that wasn't a lunch and learn. It was another thing where I volunteered to be coached by her on this call. And at that point, it was a year and a half ago. I was like, man, I forgot how to have fun. Like it was sort of like all the occupations were disrupted in the pandemic and I didn't feel like doing the things I used to do, but what do I do now? And habits are gone. Patterns are gone. Like, and you know, it's just sort of in her asking me a lot of great questions. I was like, oh yeah, I need to go back to pottery. And so I did. And because like, so now I go to pottery every Friday morning and I never work on Friday mornings because there's a block of commitment to going to pottery. So I thought, well, what else could I put into my days? And I'd been trying to time block and, you know, Tuesday afternoons were for learning and inspiration and adventures. Well, what if there was work to do? It was easy to fit the little bit of work in or convince myself that it was something I really wanted to do. And often it was, um, but I thought, what else could I put in there? Oh, right. OT work. <laughs> it pays. <laughs> That's creative time blocking lesson 101 from Carlin Meek. <laughs> so let's just jump right into something spicy, which is, yeah. do you feel that there is a myth about you having it all? And if you finally achieve lasting peace as the Nagoski sisters say <laughs> that you will finally have the space in your life to be human okay so I don't believe that however okay. it feels like that's the that's the the sort of the dream we're delivered right and and I find this a lot in like as OTs who are coaching other OTs like we didn't have OTs to coach us right Correct. and so we had to learn from a lot of these other coaches and we're all learning from we're all on social media we're all getting all the the messages right and it's this dream that if you well if you if you hit all the right things you can you're going to succeed um your success is inevitable i hear that a lot too and um so then once you get there then then you can relax and then you can do your pottery yeah and I don't like, I don't believe that. Right. I, I believe like all it's life's a journey, not a destination, right. Enjoy the now enjoy here. Enjoy the steps along the way. I even have it written over here. Enjoy the process. And if you don't change it, that's on my wall. I believe it <laughs> because that's like, it's, it has to be the journey. Cause inevitably when you get to the goal, you're going to kick the goal of further down the 100%. road. <laughs> I do that every day. I do that every day. <laughs> <laughs> so who taught you this? Who taught you could have it all? Who taught us? I think it's a generational thing um, for a lot of us. My grandmother was a scientist. So she she came to Canada in the war um, in like as a German speaking. She was, lived in Poland. They were Mennonite. Um, but she was going to university in Vienna at the time. She moved to Winnipeg, was admitted to uh, an honors program for microbiology wow. as a German speaking woman. Like Germans were not popular yeah. naturally at the time. <laughs> warm, warm hugs all around for the Germans. Yeah, totally. <laughs> And she was in the sciences, like women are still not well sufficiently represented in a lot of the sciences, right? And so she had to be better than everybody else um, in order to be taken half as seriously as any of them. Mm -hmm. And she had this strong work ethic and she was um, a mighty little powerhouse and so proud of her. And my mom... Uh, and my great grandmother also super powerhouse. She ran a giant household um, with, you know, like they ran an estate with all sorts of staff and products and all of this stuff. Um, and my mom was a single mom who had to work really hard to keep stability for us and all of those things. And my mom didn't have the post-secondary education and she definitely wanted me to never have that struggle. So university was going to be essential. Um, and I think a lot of the women of that generation, like my mom was born in 55. So she's younger than a lot of my peers' moms. Um, she was like in that, she almost went to Woodstock. Like she was yeah. in that more kind of free spirit sort of place, but also in the struggle of being a single mom, um, wanted more for me. And so a lot of women kind of got that you know, you can have it all, right? You can mm -hmm. have it all. You can be a mom. You can 
cook the bacon and bring it home sort of. We hear that mm-hmm. a lot, right? Mm-hmm. That um, you can have an education, you can have a career, you should have an education, you should have a career, and you'll be an excellent mother and you're so good with kids and you can, you can have that dream too. And I think that a lot of people in our generation are going, holy, hold the phone. I've been doing it all Mm -hmm. and I'm exhausted. Um, And there's this kind of shift to, oh, okay, wait a minute. Like one, one individual can't do it all at the same time. Um, Michelle Obama, right. She talks about, you can have it all, just not all at once Mm -hmm. Um, and you need support. Can't do it alone. There's a book that um, I never love to promote it because I'm not a huge fan of the author, but I think it's called Pick Three. And mm. it's something about, it's actually Zuckerberg's sister. And uh, it's about like, you can have exactly same, same. You can have it all, but not all at the same time. And you can only pick three, right? Like family, mm. health, work, or... Clean house is one, is one of them, I think too. What's right? that? Clean house. I think oh, you put yeah. on the, that list. You can have oh, all of them. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. So we should preface this for those that are listening that don't know us very well is we are Gen Xers. So yep. I was born in 1970. 76 for me. Yep. Okay. So that's important as we're talking about, you know, who raised us yep. and also to bring up the F word, feminism. Mm-hmm. So where does feminism play into all of this for you, for, you know, entrepreneurs right now, in your opinion, Carlin? So you and I, because we work with OTs primarily, we help women. And what I find interesting, I don't know if you find this, because we're helping women on an international level, there are different cultural things where even just different regional things um, and like a woman from the South uh, raised in a traditional family, Southern U.S. might have a different presentation than somebody in Australia um, who might be a little bit younger or something like that. So it's an interesting thing. So there's a quote I, I read somewhere. Actually, I think I did an Instagram reel or something about it. We are the daughters of the feminists who said you can be anything. And we heard you have to be everything. And I think that a lot of the people we help are women because they're OTs. There are, we help other men too. We've helped some of the same men, but um, that, that sense of being women who also tend to be, have that helping nature because they chose a helping profession. So these are often women who are, are nurturers by nature, um, often wanted to have children and families. Um, they go to work and they give it all and tend to put themselves a little bit last and, and try to do all the things and have a successful business and be that natural achiever and maybe a little bit perfectionist when going gets tough for an achiever and throw in maybe having also the whole mental load and emotional load of the family at home. Um, Helpful husbands seen. for sure, right? But <laughs> no husband, but I feel very I know seen. you don't right? I know. <laughs> and, yeah. And and so I re- like I remember too, I don't my mother-in-law, I remember her saying to me early on, oh, like Fraser, my husband, he's so good to help you. Mm. And I remember being like, and this was like we were, this was her first grandchild, this was her first daughter-in-law, totally. this was like all of those things, right? Um, and I remember thinking, wow, like he's not helping me. Like this is our family, like that. Um, and it's that shift that we're in the middle of that we learned one way. Um, and we learned about moving toward equality and we expected more equality in our homes and our relationships. We're expecting more equality in the workplace, but we're not there yet. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah. And the emotional burden to then have the partners in our lives, particularly if they are male. I don't have a great insight to a lot of queer relationships. Like, I don't mm. actually know a lot about my friends' relationship, like marriages that are queer, but yeah. I just have so much more hetero around me. Um, yeah. But I see a lot of the type of person that you're describing. Mm-hmm. They are there. They are also then tasked with the leveling up of the other person. Traditionally male. Yeah. 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 So to lean into spicy a little bit more, (laughs) I'm going to make a statement and then I have a question. So to those of you who have not listened to the Rest as a Revolution podcast episode, I can't remember which number it is. It's the last one in um, 
the productivity series, I talk a lot about the work of a, of a woman who's a pastor who had did her PhD. Her name is Dr. Trisha Heisey, and yes. she discusses rest as an act of revolution. And Isn't she have the NAP ministry? Yeah, the NAP ministry, which yeah, is like so the yeah, best yeah. name I ever. I <laughs> and I am a full-on napper. Like I am the happiest in my bed. Like seriously, if there could be, like I should probably, well, I guess I am normalizing it. I try to send pictures of me working from bed, but like, I don't know how to tell you that like actually being in my bed is one of my happiest places. So the nap ministry clearly caught my eye because if you're me, how could it not? Mm -hmm. And she really dug deep in that book, ooh, spicy, about how it's an it's a true act of revolution for a woman or somebody who identifies as woman or has that marginalized experience to rest because it was we were capitalism was built on our backs. Yes. And the industrial and revolution stuff. Yeah, exactly. Men centric, yes, right? Yes, and that yes. it and it put now again, I cannot comment to her. She's a black woman and I cannot identify yep. from the South, actually. I think she's from the yeah. South. So a very different experience about what it's like to be a woman of color. But that she makes, and this is her PhD thesis, right? Yeah. So she has made direct ties into how, you know, current systems of society would fall if we all rested. <laughs> All the women rested, right? Mm -hmm. Isn't there like a program on television, Carla? The, the week the women left or something. Yeah. Was that yeah. Canadian? I think it was. I think it was. Yeah. I think it was. I think it might Sounds have been like, Albertan even. Oh, really? Okay, we're getting really regional now. Yeah. But, um, you know, so I guess I'm posing a question to you in that, so can can feminism therefore save us? Or is, is the solution in feminism? What are your... What are your thoughts on that? There's different interpretations of feminism. And I think there's a different tone to feminism from over the last 50 years. Um, if you think about boldly having to fight um, versus the active resistance of, like, I often mm -hmm. just don't do the dishes after supper. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, it's it's a, I just not stepping into the role mm -hmm. and quietly not. And so sometimes in our house, like my husband will be like, Hey, did you have any plans for supper? And I'll be like, Nope. <laughs> did you? <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and, he, and he doesn't like, it's not like he was thinking I, I should like, often, mm. like for a lot of this time where we're both working from home, but there's that subtle, um, uh, not stepping up to that gendered role that is a subtle feminism that's a little bit different, right? And mm -hmm. um, so I think that there are times we have to fight, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Think about um, a lot of the political things that over the last year or so mm -hmm. that we've talked about both feeling a lot more spicy about feminism than we had mm -hmm. previously. Mm -hmm. and, um, and so I think there are times to fight and then there are times to quietly go, I'm opting out of that. Hmm. Like, just, I'm not going to live that. And so I think that there is that where we're often raised by the people who had to fight for it. Hmm. And, and so we can have that habit of some of that messaging. Well, but you have to be better than everybody else because hmm. you're a woman. Like, hmm. you, to, to get your seat at the table, you're going to have to get higher marks. To get almost equal pay, you're going to have to work harder. Mm -hmm. um, and, and those messages can, and with completely amazing intention and thank goodness, with, like, I'm mm -hmm. really glad to have had a lot of those messages, um, whether they were direct or, or less direct in observation. But I think that that can come out in that drive to just do a little more because mm -hmm. I'm capable of more, because mm -hmm. if I work a little bit harder, that's going to pay off. Right. And then, mm -hmm. Maybe I'll be rich like Tony Robbins. <laughs> <laughs> Can I get my picture with you, please? <laughs> Tony Robbins charges for pictures with him. Can I get a picture with you? Yeah. You can charge me. You can totally get a picture for with free me. in the park. <laughs> neighbor we'll neighbor see. tax. We'll okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's it kind of leads into another piece that we wanted to discuss, which is the shift in the conversation around burnout. Because there's you know a shift in the conversation around feminism that you and I are leaning into. And again, yeah. what I'm kind of hoping, at least in some of this section, is that listeners are listening, you know, leaning in towards 
the podcast and saying, hell yes. And others, particularly if they are younger, which is a lot of them out there, they're like, what are these women talking about? And it's almost a little bit of a history class, which is great. So again, that's That's what we want. We want them to not know this. So don't skip over it all yet. We're coming to like some, you know, relevancy if you are not our age or our stage. Um, And that is that shift. You, You brought this to my attention. I didn't know this. And I'd like you to speak more about the conversation around burnout from it being individual problem to a Mm. systemic problem. Talk more about that. I think it's shifting depending Mm. on which source you read. Um, I uh, was invited with uh, Catherine Wise. She's an OT from Ontario who's in the U.S., and she asked me to come and help with uh, facilitate one class at my master, um, and it was healthcare leaders. And so we pulled a lot of different sources um, to have this discussion with these these healthcare leaders on burnout. And it, like there was no consensus; it's all over the place. And there's sort of you can look at trends. So, for instance, the World Health Organization they have introduced burnout as more of a like a, a diagnosis. And there's that sort of you as an individual are, your health is suffering, your mental health, your physical health is suffering as a result of um, too much demand. And so that's great to be able to have that taken seriously. Like I've done so much work with people who are off work for mental health conditions for burnout. Burnout wasn't fully taken seriously as not really a diagnosis, more of a description of a situation. So I appreciate that, but I think there's something about in the World Health Organization definition around um, like that sort of stress, increased stress that was is not well managed, and that feels blamey um, because if maybe if you just managed your stress a little better and used your benefits to go pay for that yoga class and go to the spin class and do some more mm-hmm. mindful breathing on your lunch hour, didn't we give you that? That, that webinar or that session, free session, everyone gets free mindfulness. Like why mm. are you managing your stress better? And so mm. a lot of the articles that we pulled to share with those leaders were around looking at um, those organizational factors and, you know, workloads and funding and limited ability to make decisions and, um, and having all of these healthcare workers who are naturally human givers, as the Nagoskis would call it, um, that, you know, sort of working with not enough resources. And most of the sources we pulled were pre-pandemic. Like there aren't mm-hmm. even, there was, it's not enough research post-pandemic, forget that, right? We know it only got worse. Um, and so I think that it is good that we are talking a lot more about looking at more than the individual and looking at that individual in a system with leadership and teams and um, and the way they're treated and the way they have flexibility and ability to make decisions and the way they're trusted or not trusted or communicated with, that those factors are things that employers can be doing a better job with or supporting individuals in some of these situations that just are going to burn people out. There just are not enough resources and there are a lot of people struggling particularly post-pandemic. So some of those things where we can't actually change some of those factors. But what I think is really interesting is when we think about you and I helping OTs who have opted to go into private practice, entrepreneurship in one way or another, or making that shift, they're still bringing their individual factors along. Um, They become their employer who expects a lot of them, mm-hmm. their um, system that may be under-resourced. Uh, they have more decision-making autonomy, but sometimes when you're the one who has to do it all, uh, it might not feel very autonomous or free because stuff just needs to get done. And so mm-hmm. I think a lot about how, you know, sort of we look at individuals in their environments, the occupations that they're doing, their individual um traits and ways of showing up in the world and ways of behaving, um, motivations. You know, we we know a lot of OTs tend to be fairly high achievers Mm -hmm. who care to do a really good job and care to really care for people um, and often will sacrifice ourselves to do so, throw you into that environment where 
there's nobody going to tell you to go home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, in fact, you are at home. Keep yep. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, I know I used to, I mean, I was very transparent that I built my clinic partially successfully because at a for some period of time, um, the kids were not with me. Right. Yeah. That, that was a window of time. Um, yeah. It happened to be a window of time when I was kind of starting my clinic, I think, if I'm being honest. And so I actually loved working on the weekends because I didn't know what to do with myself, quite frankly, without my kids. Yeah. And plus I had the time. It was, a, it was, a, people would say, oh, well, you're spending more time, you know, going with your friends. I'd be like, uh, no, I eat like cereal for dinner and I work until 10 p.m. Um <clears throat> And it was a bit like a light switch, right? When they weren't around, I'd like full on like boop, 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 work. And then yeah. when they came home. So there wasn't a lot of balance at that point. And yeah. then of course I found myself, you know, with them here far more frequently, which is fabulous. And then had to figure it out. You also actually tweaked something in me and I hadn't thought of it until now, but I'm pretty public with the fact that I got ill in the spring. Mm-hmm. Well, no, even like even in the winter. And <laughs> I never once ever used the word burnout, ever. I remember we talked about that at the cafe by the river. We did when we went on a work, when we went on a walk. Mm-hmm. And I remember, and I'm going to be really honest here, I remember feeling like, well, first of all, that was a choice. But second of all, I remember feeling like quite chuffed, as my British father would say, that mm-hmm. it wasn't just burnout. I actually had something wrong with me. I remember that, yeah. Right? And I was like, oh, fine. I mean, some of you will burn out. But me, I have like, have you seen my blood work? (laughs) (laughs) Totally. That's exactly what I guess. (laughs) And I remember, yes, go ahead. Go ahead. No, like I never really thought of it until now that that's what I was doing. Like Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, well, some people burn out, but I'm actually unwell. Like I would, I have diagnoses. I am sick. Mm-hmm. That's not mental health. Like I've had, I've had depression before right? like yeah. years yeah. ago, but I was like, isn't that funny? That's, that's literally what I was doing because until you said that it was individualized and there was like a blame game to it, mm-hmm. I was like, oh no, 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 no. You don't get to blame me for this one. I do not right. accept the blame for this. This is actually like Really? Like it's, it's an ICD. What do they call it in the World Health? ICD? It's an ICD? 10. I think ICD 10. ICD 10. Okay. But that, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. So it's not that. It's like a thing. Mm-hmm. And isn't that, and I, again, you and I are very transparent as part of our brands. And like, I'm really a making a connection that I'm happy to do in real time because if anybody else out there is like doing what I did, like finally, it's not just burnout. And yet yeah. I experienced so much of the same thing where I just like had to shut her down, right? Um, yeah. And I certainly worked on my mental health at the same time. So and burnout I, triggers physical health conditions. Yeah, I know. Right? I knew you were so, going to take it to the next yeah. step. I was like, <laughs> totally. So you don't blame me. Have, don't blame my blood work. <laughs> But looking at the months leading up to that, you had a lot going on yeah. and it was exhausting. You had to pivot and you were doing so much, right? Yeah. That was emotional, yeah. um, stressful. Yeah. And you've got like launching kids and yeah. all of those things, right? Like, of course, like that was a lot on you. Yeah. yeah. And but you've it, got some physical stuff going on too. Yeah, exactly. Isn't that interesting? So yeah, I was hiding behind something I didn't even know that existed, which was, mm-hmm. I refuse to take individual blame for this. This is literally, <laughs> my doctor said, <laughs> dot, 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 right? And so, you know, you said something that we haven't brought up in this episode, but I've talked about it in the intro, which is people, OT entrepreneurs often leap from, this is why it's important, right? Why we really want to talk about this, because OTs leap from what did you say the pan to the fire or the, the I often say from the pot to the pan or pot I, I to the pan wrong, but I think it's actually from the pot pan to, to the, the fire fire okay and so it's those. because you know you have found in your experience that people are burning out in their jobs I just had somebody a brand new client today who almost was in tears talking about that she's just a glorified babysitter at her current job in Peds OT and she was like I this is not I value myself too much. I value, like I'm not put on this earth to do what my company wants me to do. And you feel that there's, you know, and this person was talking without using the word burnout, the burnout that comes from that. And then 
the same habits persist and you say even increase in intensity because those stakes are higher, right? Yeah. Well, look at me, like not too long mm-hmm. ago, right? I I just, there's that sense that, okay, well, I just have to do a little bit more mm-hmm. and um, and then all of the success I was promised if I did the right things, if I was mm-hmm. a good girl, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, would, exactly. I would reap the benefits, right? <laughs> So it's, it's just that, you know, that drive. I want it. I want, I want that. I want Mm -hmm. that actually. And anytime you ask me why I went into starting my own business, it was Mm -hmm. so that I could reclaim my time. Mm -hmm. I wanted to work less and still earn the same money. That's always Mm -hmm. been my goal. Mm -hmm. And I got into this pattern of, and so for many OTs, I see it when they shift from a job to starting their business. For me, it was shifting my attention from my private practice, Mm -hmm. which was consistent, steady. Like I could be as busy as I wanted to, always too busy because I didn't say no, but to entrepreneurship where I could then maybe even reclaim more of my time. But instead I started working more. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it, it was not me choosing to do that. It was Mm -hmm. this sense of, um, but but if I do it right, mm-hmm. I just got to do a little bit, just a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And that's not workable. Like, nope. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. So where do you want to end or leave our conversation? Because you and I, you love a meandering conversation and we can <laughs> meander down this path forever. And yet I want people to end with a takeaway that are listening. Because I think there's lots of different types of podcast episodes that people listen to. They love the conversational. They love the hashtag GSD, get shit done, tips and tricks. Mm-hmm. They love, you know, frameworks, et cetera. You, this is your expertise. Where do you want our, and this is, as I said, more of a, very much a conversation. If there were, you and I were at the OTA together and somebody sat down beside us and we'd have this like meaningful conversation. Where would you like to wrap up this conversation or what do you want to end with? I think, I think about two words come to mind. Mm -hmm. Um, Curiosity, three, actually curiosity, flexibility, and identity. Mm -hmm. And so I think that sometimes we can get really stuck on an identity of a successful, you know, helping who's, who's, who's doing the thing. They're effective. You're, you know, you're, getting good, basically getting good grades by doing a good job at your work. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes we can get a little bit too attached to a particular definition of what success is. Yes. I and just so, asked somebody that question this morning. Just asked right? somebody that question this morning. What was their definition of success? Yeah. yeah. And I think there comes a time, and I know too, like talking about Gen X and um, how a lot of us are kind of getting a little bit more spicy. It's hormonal too, right? Like, it's, <laughs> like, <laughs> Hey, did you see my blood work? No, I'm back to that. I'm back to making sure no one thinks I'm anywhere to blame for what happened to my health. I'm going to die on that hill. Can you tell? I'll be a little vulnerable, but I won't be super growth mindset about it. Could you just tell me which hill so I could come and get you? Exactly. Oh, that's so sweet. I can picture which hill it is. So thoughtful. Okay. So this is like, it's a thing, right? We kind of have this, there's hormone shifts and there's also that need to, we're no longer going to be reproducing. So we become a little less pleasing (laughs) because it's like, hold up a second. Like I uh, just going to show up and be really, really real in me. So anyhow, back to this sort of achieving type of person. There is this shift that often happens in these middle years of our life where we're like, hmm, maybe I'm a little less achievement-oriented and want to be a little bit more values-oriented. And not to say we abandon achievement, Mm -hmm. um, not to say that we're like, well, I mean, I do have a fantasy of moving out (laughs) to start a commune with my girlfriends and not worrying about money and taking care of anybody else. But the idea is that um, we need a certain amount of you know, drive and success. And generally at this point in our lives, if we're business owners, therapists at this middle stage of our lives, we tend to have been pretty successful. Um, but what's the, what makes the rest, the second half of the second, that second act, um, what makes that good? And what, um, where can we kind of drop some of that fight, some of that achievement orientation and go, Hey, wait a minute, what do I want? What I want my life to feel like, what I want to do, and how can I 
move in that direction. And I think many people just stay on that well-trodden path because mm-hmm. that's who they are. Um, they don't fail. They don't do things halfway. They, they, they win. And they like where that ability to shift is in that curious flexibility and go, Oh, I feel like garbage. Like, I don't, I don't like, I forgot how to have fun. Mm. I, you know, whatever that is, my health isn't feeling good. I don't have energy. I don't have a zest. I'm not feeling excited about life. Huh. We could get really curious about that and kind of go, what do I care about? What do I want? What can I do to be a little bit more flexible in here? And for me, even that idea of taking on OT work again um, is a win. It's not a failure right? It's a success. It's a, an opportunity to do another occupation that I love because that's going to work better for me right now. Um, but I had to pull back to establish what I've established and it's going to grow in its own time, Mm -hmm. which is so freeing for Mm -hmm. that to grow organically and the right people come rather than me try to try to go and get everybody and get as many people as I can to get to this sort of milestone of sustainability. Um, no, I don't want that. And it's, that's not the energy I want to bring. So being able to have that flexibility to get curious, pause, feel all the crappy feelings that come with that of mm-hmm. I didn't, or I, I, you know, should have, or what should I do next mm-hmm. um, to, to that pivot? It's like, oh, it's been so freeing. It's been Good. so, so freeing. And I can feel like I can be me mm-hmm. more peacefully in all my roles. Mm-hmm. And that is energizing. Yeah. So before I wrap up with the traditional question of where people can find you, I'm going Mm. to get curious Mm. about your pottery. Mm. I would love to hear about a piece that you are working on. Mm. You have video here. Can I show you? Oh, yes. I know this is a podcast. No, but we have actually. Thank you. You literally. Okay. And uh, without any prompting, please go see our YouTube channel. (laughs) which we now have. Oh, this is so exciting. Okay. Seriously, we have a YouTube channel so you can see our pottery. So pottery. Okay. Pottery can be really technical. Um, Like I, so learning to throw on a wheel Mm -hmm. requires you to learn the skills of centering, Mm -hmm. getting the clay super smooth, being able to get it really centered, apply that right amount of pressure to pull something up and, um, Mm. and to put a lid on is super duper technical because they have to be able to fit. Um, you have to be able to have a ridge. These are going to shrink. They're going to go into like, they're going to get the blaze is going to try to glue them together. Uh, They're going to warp in different ways. And to often you're not necessarily throwing the bottom at the same time as the top, the top's going to dry faster. It's going to shrink at a different rate. They might not fit together. So very, can be very technical. And then it can be very beautiful and organic. Mm-hmm. And so for the people who are listening, I'm sharing a little pot with a lid that I made that has a really organic kind of glazed feel on the outside, but it's a very technical job. Mm. And then you can also do like hand building. And so mm. I used to, when I was younger, I was, I did an IB art program. I sculpted, I painted, everything was very free form. Now I go to Pinterest. <laughs> like ideas and that sort of thing. But I've been working on some of these pieces that are a little bit more organic. So this oh. is, um, it's sort of- uh, oh, like an air, what do they call it? Air this plant? is an air plant. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. it's yeah, like yeah. got all these like crazy arms coming out, like a, almost like a little octopus. Yeah. But I made like an organic form that I just rolled out these flat pieces, but put them in together. And they almost remind me of like, like a, a hobbit house or something yes. like that. And I've got this little air plant and these little rocks that I found on my travels. I think this was from Germany. And um, and so it's a bit more organic. I've been finding I've been mm. leaning into building things with my hands that are a little less technical mm. and a little bit more like, what do I want to be around me in my environment? Like mm. I used to think, what can I make that's useful? Yes. And I sometimes do, but it's that, mm. ah, what do I feel like? What do I want? What mm. what do I feel kind of called to do? And what makes, what, what are artifacts I want in my environment that make me feel a certain way? Mm-hmm. I love it. Thank or you. Or gifts. So gifts glad. also. Gifts, yeah. yeah. I'm so glad. Thanks for asking so, me about it. You are so welcome. And I actually <laughs> think it's hilarious because literally we have now a YouTube channel. So people can go. Thanks for that setup. <laughs> Carlin. 
Um, if people want to find you, mm-hmm. most notably on mm-hmm. your Brave OT podcast, yeah, yeah. Where to find that? So they can find it on all the podcast places. You have to search the Brave OT podcast. All of those things help. I think now that it's been around a couple mm. of months, it's a little bit easier if you just put in a couple of the terms, but it's been so fun. I've only got at the time we're recording seven episodes out. Um, but I, I, so enjoy the process. And if you don't change it, um, I, if I go to a party, I do not want to be in the big room trying to get a word in edgewise and have everybody listen to me tell a story. I hate that. I don't mind telling a story to a big group, but it drains me to try and find my way into the conversation with people Mm. talking over each other. I love a good like kitchen conversation, deep kitchen conversation. And so social media marketing is like trying to get everybody's attention in the big party room. And I do it and I do it as authentically and organically as I can, but it can really feel like, how do I get everybody to see me in the big crowd? Mm. Um, And podcasting are juicy conversations like kitchen conversations. Mm -hmm. And so I started the podcast with that idea of, hey, could I just show up and be me and have good talks Mm -hmm. with people? And maybe then people get to know me and maybe some of them will come work with me because that's worked. Like I've got a mm-hmm. few clients from being on your podcast before, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. from being on Rhiannon's podcast. And um, and I really enjoy the process. It feels effortless. Like I would do this like if it had nothing to do with my business. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Rave OT podcast, you can find it. We talk, we have meandering conversations. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I've been talking about, to a lot of OTs who are really being brave and stepping outside of um, out of tradition, changing ways of looking at OTs. Lots of them have businesses, lots of them don't. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just that different way of looking at yourself, your place in the world, how you want to impact your profession, how you want to impact your life, how you mm-hmm. want your life to look, and being brave enough to to not follow the that trodden path mm-hmm. um, to get there. Thank you so much. And this has been a juicy intro to your podcast. If you've enjoyed listening to this conversation and Carlin just has a very clear sense of self and a clear value system and a giant brain and a big heart, Mm -hmm. um, you can hear more of it on the Brave OT podcast. Thanks for helping us with our discussion today. It's a treat to have you and see you. Thank you for having me. I really loved it. This has been OTs Get Paid, recorded live in Studio C. That's Studio Closet. I'm Trish Williams. If you have feedback on today's episode, send us a DM on IG at OTs Get Paid or join our Facebook group at OTs Get Paid. We would really love to hear from you. We'd also love it if you could subscribe and write a review for the podcast. Each month, I'll pick a random review for a shout out to get your name and business on the air. Until next time.